Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. For the next 40, 50 minutes or so, this is the chick zone. Have you had a good week today? (laughs) (laughs) What is wrong with me? I have had a good week today. Hello for you, good thanks. How is your week today? Oh, good for you. Thank you. I'm very good. I have lots of vodka and um, uh, like to make some um, some borsk. Borsk. Oh, yeah. I love the borsk. 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 It's um, with the K. It's with the T. Borsk. Bor- borsk. Where are you from? Ukraine? <laughs> You're going to be really proud of me. I have to tell you something. Yes. That I've done this week that you will be proud of. Impressed, actually. Did you watch a murder documentary? I watched a a murder documentary. Oh, my God. I wanted to talk to you about a murder. I wanted to have like a murder corner. I wanted to do like a crime corner. Which one did you watch? Every week. We're not doing this every week. (laughs) I realised after I watched it. Just today. That I need to watch. It's not that I'm not interested in the murder. Mm. You know what it murder. is? What? I get my fill from one every couple of years. Yeah, okay. Which one did you watch? And I'm then dying to know. I watched one. It's an HBO. Huh? What? I said I'm dying to know. <laughs> oh, come on. Here we go. Here it comes. Yeah. Are you ready? It's yeah. coming. Here it comes. Coming out my mouth. Okay, now. let me guess. Let me guess. Let, um, me guess. let me guess. Okay. Okay. I'll be gone in the dark. Yep. Yep. Oh my god. Because Is it I wanted new? to talk about that today. I wanted to talk about that today. That's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, it's well, new. You can Brand because new. I know exactly what you're talking about now. Okay. Can we just I got put onto it by Christy Swan. She told yeah. me to watch it. Oh, it's so Because we her and I so text good. each other um all week about Mouse Singer and who we think Mouse yeah. yeah. Singer yeah. is. We just and then just she was talking about screaming. Oh, I don't care. I don't care. Mm. I can't. Can we just quickly go there? Katie Noonan <laughs> this week was one of the the masks. I saw. Yeah, I only just watch. I like totally to just see yeah. what the who the reveals are, and then that's it. Yeah, and I don't need to watch the rest of the hour of them screaming at each other. I just can't do it. Yeah, I, I'm um, pretty much on my twi- Twitter while it's the screaming is happening and then look up for the um, – which is quite ironic because I look up – what I should say is I pay attention while they're singing. I actually don't look up because I'm not looking. I'm listening. You're listening. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I just started watching it because I have Foxtel and mm. I'm looking mm. at it and Patton Oswalt and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I remember a couple of years ago him – Mm-hmm. tweeting that his mm. wife just died all of a sudden and how everyone thought it was so weird because he tweeted about it immediately because he was in shock. And I remember that because I yeah. was a big fan of yeah. his from United States of Tara and, you know, he's a great comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, this is about her. And then I was like, no, it's not. It's about, it's about this killer. Golden State Fuck. Killer. Mm. Who they just sentenced yesterday. Yesterday. Yep. 27 so he was lives. Caught, 
Yeah. So the reason that I got into it and into that particular documentary is because Karen um, from My Favourite Murder is in it because her podcast network that she runs with Georgia, Georgie. Is that Karen um, Barber? No, Karen no, 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 Karen, Karen Gil, Gilcriff, Gilcariff. Um, she hosts My Favourite Murder with Georgia Hardstark and they own the podcast network exactly right. And there's a, they have another podcast on there called Murder Squad and the guy who had the idea to run the DNA through the, you know, through the family holes. tree thing, it was his, yeah, it was Matthew his. Holes. Yeah, it was. It's him. He's he's a host from a, a from a podcast. So he's oh. been investigating it as part of his podcast. He's also an investigator, retired, a forensic yeah. investigator. But he, yeah. him, he, that was his idea to run that, and then that's how they caught him. Mm, they Can you believe that? I watch it, like because it's it's a really beautiful documentary because of Michelle McNamara. Her, I know, and she's such a beautiful writer. Based on her, yeah. But I love how they intersperse it with her, and you, mm-hmm. unless you know, you wouldn't have known she is already dead, um, mm. because they use obviously an actress and make it, you know, with her hand typing and that kind of thing. But she, how they made it about her rather than yeah. the killer, yeah. and which is what yeah. her book was about, of the victims. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I really and liked that. that. Her, Maybe that's and why I, I like, like how, the murders so much. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. how it goes into her psychology of why why people get invested in true crime and just the whole yeah. kind of, yeah. you know, the, the mystery behind this unfaced person, you know, who mm-hmm. then eventually – you want to know who it is. We all just have this, you know, real kind of desire to 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 take the mask off and go, who is this guy? Like that's been doing these horrific things for yeah. like twenty years, you know? Yeah, and then and, it, it was interesting oh, because it is so many women, so many women, thirteen murders, fifty rapes. No, I mean women that are interested in murder oh um yeah yeah oh yeah I think you know how women are so into podcasts about this kind of thing and I think because we're innately interested curious about people and things and why and we Mm -hmm. love a gossip Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of uh women who are housewives have really got the podcast world going because mm. they can completely immerse themselves in this thing that their husband doesn't even know is going on. Yeah. You know, like and they can listen all mm. day to these things and think about. But there's an empathy that women have that when they listen to um, murder podcasts, I think, um, I, it just doesn't surprise me that it turned out to be a woman taking it to the nth degree. And yeah, pretty much yeah. solving this case. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, when it got to the part where she called Matthew Holes and said, mm-hmm. they're going to give me all the boxes. Yes. You need to come with me. And it was like a covert um, mission. <laughs> they took yeah. two SVUs full of boxes. I know of, they, um, would, they wanted evidence. to make a and what do you call that when you do like a convoy? They're like, let's do a convoy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drive 
staring out black and that's how much information there was it took two vans to get it on and then start going through it incredible incredible isn't it so good and just so really sad also yeah so so good for those women to be able to um get some kind of closure yeah oh my god yeah i'm so glad that that couple the oh, how um, that husband is he just mm. I mean I just he made me cry yeah they he did a lot of shots so, on him didn't they yeah you could just really what men do the fidgeting and the, and the mm. you know mm-hmm. the looking away and the just mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. all of it because he was so yeah, helpless it was heartbreaking yeah. it was a great, anyway, it's a great documentary and if you haven't watched it watch it great yeah absolutely check it check it out and I want to really want to get the book because I think it would be such a good read hearing her Mm. reading her because I just think she's a brilliant writer Mm. in the Mm. chickster in the history I'm staying in the crime world today yeah so that worked well segue (laughs) nice segue (laughs) uh so I'm gonna set the scene for you we're in Sydney it's the 1920s. Yep. And at the time, a handful of women were dominating the inner city underworld. And at the helm, there was two key figures, Kate Lee and Tilly Devine, which you've probably heard of before, those two women. Mm. It's not who I'm basing my chickstery on, but it's important for context. So Kate Lee was a convicted criminal, crimes ranging from theft to manslaughter. She was also known as a sly grogger. She would sell alcohol illicitly, literally yep. through a hole in the wall when pubs closed. And then Tilly yeah. Devine, Matilda Devine, better known as Tilly, was a brothel keeper. And she's been described as having a penchant for violence. And these women were known to be just as tough as any of the men um, that they mixed with at that time and they both you know I mean Kate Lee shot a man dead in the in her front uh, who tried to kick down her front door they both spent time in jail Long Bay jail at the time was a women's reformatory oh was it yeah okay. they both did a mm. bit of time Tilly for slashing a man with a razor so at the time, razor gangs were really popular in Sydney around the streets of Ormaloo, Darlinghurst, that, that area. And that was because a lot of men were returning from the war and they all had their service weapons with them. So there was an abundance of guns on the streets. So the police banned the guns oh, okay. and it, it made all the criminals turn to using razors. And that's where the term razor gang comes right. from. And the razor wars. I didn't know that. Yeah, A lot of people wouldn't know that. Yeah, so Dulcie Markham was born. Oh, yep, yep. In Surrey yep. Hills, 1914, and she later moved to the suburb of Waverley uh, in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Now, apparently the apple didn't fall far from the tree and there's reports that her mother had also had a history of being a wayward girl. I like how they call them, a wayward. She was wayward um so when she's just 15 she runs away from home which at the time like we mentioned Sydney was very dangerous the streets were not a good place to be for uh 15 year old girls they're full of street gangs lots of crime but Dulcie 
was really attracted to to all of you know the underworld she thought it was really glamorous and she really romanticized about you know a life on the streets and and she was herself she was stunning she was platinum blonde red lipstick um, and she could have been mistaken for any Hollywood movie star at the time she had that really mm. classic you know Hollywood glamour look as we said, the streets were really rough and, and Tilly Devine and Kate Lee were running the show. So they would they were basically the, the two um, figures who were just running crime at the time in Sydney. Martin Place used to actually house brawls of um, the rival gangs of Tilly and Kate where they would have literally have brawls and fights around um, territory and where they were allowed to um, prostitute around which areas. So in Martin Place, can you believe that in Sydney? Wow. No, I can't. But <laughs> incredible. Sydney in the 1930s. September 1929, Wall Street crashes during the Great Depression. It's dark times ahead as Australia suffers years of high unemployment, low profits, plunging incomes. March 1932, the two ends of the half roads are finally joined. And after eight years, the bridge is open to the public by New South Wales Premier Jack Lamb. Almost 75,000 people turn out for the occasion. Where's Paul Hogan? <laughs> the Australian Women's Weekly is launched in 1933 by R.C. Packer and his son Frank in the hope that it would be a material sign that Australia was coming out of the Depression. February 1938, Bondi Beach is hit by a freak 35-foot wave and kills five people, with a further 200 having to be rescued by lifesavers. Mmm, yummy lifesavers. Now, because um, Dulcie is so beautiful, she catches the eye of Tilly Devine and um, Tilly says, come and work for me. And um, I'll look after you. And remember, she's just 15 at the time. And um, T- Tilly's known as taking really good care of her the fav- her favourite girls, the girls that she knows are going to earn her a lot of money. Um, and because she's just so beautiful, they um, Tilly's like, you can come and work for me. She treats her as one of her favourite girls because she does start making really good money for her. And, you know, if you if you sort of did what you were supposed to do and you made a lot of money for Tilly, then you would have a re- really good life living with her in the broth- brothel. Yep. So Tilly would offer protection for the girls, unlike the girls who were working on the streets, working in a brothel was a lot safer and she would even get her own kind of standover men for her own protection if she was, you know, with a client or having to leave their premises. So they were, they were kind of taken care of. It wasn't the case for all of the brothels at the time. If you're working in a smaller brothel, most of the girls were paid in cocaine and they most of them had a pretty devastating drug habit. Oh, that's Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. So this time in, in Sydney or in the world, in fact, was really unique because because it was being dominated by this female power and, you know, it was all like – you know, yay, go the girls, go the chicks. But it's important to remember they were criminals and they did bad shit. And they were definitely, you know, not they they weren't great. They did they did bad shit. They did they did illegal alcohol selling, cocaine dealing, yeah. prostitution, even murder. Yeah. So they were you know, just not not great females. So it was weird that Dulcie really kind of wanted to aspire to be that. 
you know she was like I want to be I want to be a badass bitch too so this while I was doing my research there was a lot of all of these different women kept coming up and I was like oh you know how you Mm -hmm. did yours with um uh who was it Madeline Emmeline Emmeline and then you sort of went down and yeah, he went down another thing. So I got a bit distracted by this. Yeah, so during my research I found I found there was, you know, I know we talk, we're going to be sort of focusing on the bad guys, but I found a good guy, a good girl, I should say. And Oh, did you? I came across the story of the very first female detective in the Commonwealth. Lillian Armfield was in charge at the time of managing a handful of uh, female police and they would go around and they'd patrol the streets and they would look for these girls who had um, either run away from home or had ended up in prostitution. And they would go around patrolling and try to get the girls off the streets and back home or they would even put them into institutions or give them a night in jail just to kind of make a little bit of an um, example out of them. And a lot yep. of the time that they turned a blind eye, especially if they the girls were working in a brothel um, because they knew that even though what they were doing was illegal, that they were still being taken care of. But they were genuinely more worried about the girls' welfare than anything else. They didn't kind of want to, you know, get them get them locked up. But interestingly, Lillian Armfield, you know, being the first, she was actually the first police woman and then went on to become the first detective. But she wasn't provided a uniform. She wasn't paid overtime. Why? Because oh. she was a woman. Um, and yeah, 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 unlike her why male. Why am I asking why? <laughs> but why? <laughs> and unlike her male colleague. This is normal. Yeah, she wasn't. If she sustained any injuries in the line of duty, she got no compensation for that, and she also had no superannuation paid to her. Oh, lovely! So, lovely. Yeah, it's not a surprise, but there you go. <laughs> she was doing it because she really wanted to do the job. She really wanted to do the job, and she was also, you know, she was a bit of a nemesis to Tilly Devine and Kate Lee, and she. You know, she was out there confronting the the criminal underworld and, you know, having to deal with murders and rapes and even human trafficking at the time. So, you know, just another awesome chick who was out there, you know, fighting crime in a in a male dominated job as well. So, so that yeah, that's Lillian. I just had to, you know, put a little bit in there about her because she was important okay. to the, to the story, but. Yeah. So Dulcie, she gets mixed up in what's known as push gangs. So these were youthful, um, the younger guys who would start gangs and then they would go on and progress to, you know, the big time kind of the razor gangs and stuff. But the push gangs were operated around in the Rocks area and they were known to be extremely violent. And it was made up a lot of, of a lot of younger men who were trying to prove themselves so they could get noticed by the, the bigger dudes. And right. And Dulcie was part of that and she would use her good looks to go in and lure men away from bars and lure them down alleyways where the gangs would then set upon them, upon these guys. So she got kind of mixed Mm. up in in that. So she's starting to really kind of, you know, she's gone into prostitution. She's like 16, 17 at the time. She's starting to get mixed up in, in actual gang violence now and things are kind of getting pretty pretty serious so she meets a uh, guy by the name of Scotty McCormick he's a young thug 
and he lives around, he sort of patrols around the streets of Woolloomooloo. One evening they're walking along William Street and Dulcie's going off to see a movie. Um, she says goodbye to, to Scotty. She walks off to go up to the picture theatre and Scotty continues walking down the street and just a few minutes later he's set upon and he's stabbed through the chest with a stiletto. Oh, my arrival gang, yeah, twice punctured his lungs with a stiletto. Yeah, talk about being walked over. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't help so, myself. Yeah, no. So Dulcie um, goes, she's in the picture theatre. She has no idea that all this is kind of broken out and someone has to go into the picture theatre and tell her that um, this has happened and she ends up going to St Vincent's Hospital because that's where he's taken, but it's too late. Scotty has passed away from his injuries. She's just 17 at the time and she has to identify his body. Oh, dear. Can you imagine? She's had to, yeah, go in. and So there's a lot of speculation around whether or not Dulcie had anything to do with this murder. It was kind of really convenient that just as she kind of walks off and she goes to see a movie that he is then set upon and she did actually know the the guys who attacked him. So she had apparently had a little dalliance with one of the guys who was Scotty's attacker and there was apparently some jealous rivalry going on between between the boys. So right. there is a rumour that this fight and, you know, this kind of altercation happened because of, um, because of Dulcie. So there's lots of questions around that. So it's all a bit sus. She shows up at the coronial inquest. She uses an Elias and no. Alias. <laughs> no, I like Elias. Elias. I like it better actually. Elias. What does she use? An Elias. <laughs> she uses an <laughs> alias. <laughs> Elias. She uses a Benny Do Elias. You know that guy? Benny alias. Elias. <laughs> you know Benny Alias. Benny Do alias. you mean Benny Elias? <laughs> um, no. Uh, so um, she's wearing a blood red dress and she's, you know, trying to really create that theatre and drama around the fact that, you know, her lover has been, you know, has died on the streets of Sydney and she's devastated. So it's all, you know, it's all very theatrical. So she leaves Sydney short after, she goes to Melbourne and then she later goes to Brisbane. So it's sort of whenever sort of trouble follows her, she has this habit of kind of just blowing off that town and moving to another state. So she moves around quite a bit. She, When she's in Brisbane, she ends up meeting her first husband and he kind of becomes her pimp. He starts making a lot of money from her. He eventually goes to prison for um, a crime that he's committed on the street. So again, not a great dude that she's mixing with. And then he goes to prison. He comes out of prison. There's reports that he's later shot down on the streets of King's Cross not too long after he's out of prison. So there's two men now who have died and who have known Dulcie. So there's a little bit of a pattern forming. You wouldn't want to meet her, would you? You'd be like, oh, mate, I wouldn't go out with Dulce. Yeah. You know what happened to her last two boyfriends, don't you? Uh-huh. Don't you? Well, well, you just you just, just wait. You just wait. Ooh. So she goes back to Sydney. She ends up hooking up with another guy called Arthur Taplin. He's a low-level uh, young crook and he's trying to really work himself up in the ranks as well. He is 
going around about town. He's got a big mouth on him. He's getting a bad name for himself and um, he's hanging out with Dulcie. And then one evening he's at the pub and he's shot at the pub as well. So what are we up to, three? Yeah, three. Yeah. And then in 1939, she's at a party in Woolloomooloo um, in Brahm Street, for anyone who knows Woolloomooloo. And what street? Brahm, Brahm Street. B-R-A-H-M? I'm assuming mm, Brahm Street. And at the time, she's dating a guy called Guido Coletti. And Guido Coletti is um, a notorious. <laughs> stop, stop. Stop. Let's go back. Let's go. Guido. Guido Coletti. Guido Coletti. Guido Coletti. Yo, Guido. Yeah. Yeah. What's your new boyfriend's Guido. name? Guido. Guido Coletti. Where's he from? The Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> Where is he, he from? New Jersey. He's from the streets of, of Woolloomooloo. Yeah. And uh, he's Guido a notorious rates gang criminal. And so they, so they get to this, Dulcie's at this party, he gets to the party a little bit later, walks out the back and is walking down the hallway and as he's walking down the hallway towards her, he's shot and dies and he dies in her arms actually. So mm. are you seeing the trend? So she's getting closer and closer. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing a little trend <laughs> and she's getting closer and closer as they die. Now they're dying in her arms. She is the angel of death and I would get the hell away from that blonde-haired, red-lipstick woman with stilettos. Well, that's what they call her, the angel of death. So her reputation goes national. Did you know that? Oh. No, I didn't. I didn't. I just made that up. Amazing. I mean, I didn't make up angel of death. I've heard the the term angel of death before. But, yeah, if I was going to give someone that title, it would be her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what they start to call her. So her reputation goes national and and every time the newspaper reports on these murders, if there is a link back to Dulcie, it's it's because of Dulcie. So she starts kind of like almost inadvertently getting blamed for these murders and it's like um, let's not forget oh. that like all of the men that she was dating were all involved in the underworld crime scene and but she's the she's the woman that gets blamed and they start to say that she's putting curses on them and you know that, that so it's, the old Salem witchcraft came out again it's a bit, yeah it's a little bit like that but um yeah so 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 I mean I was things- thinking of that but I was only joking no, that's actually what happened. So I did a, you know how we've we've been getting onto Trove and you know doing some newspaper research. She mm. she is the she's the headline. It's not about the guy who dies. It's Dulcie Markham, you know, strikes again. And oh, even so, though she hasn't done any of the killing, no, she said that she had never. She actually is on record to say she's never touched a gun in her life. She's never killed anybody. She's never been involved herself in crime, but she's just been mixed up in it. So, um, but she goes on to be known as the Angel of Death, and at least five of her boyfriends are killed with a bullet or a knife. And this is how she is known to, um, yeah, become what's known as the Angel of Death. And for many years, it follows her around. People start to see that. There's, you know, she has a curse on her and any men that come um, close to her, you know, start to fear for their life and people start becoming afraid of her and they avoid hanging out with her. They're like, just don't, don't hang around her because some shit will go down. You wouldn't invite her to a party, would you? 
No, don't I mean, invite you dolls. She, you know what? Don't invite <laughs> her this time because every time she comes, <laughs> someone, someone you know, someone dies. just dies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, don't like, let's not put that on her. No, let's put that on her. Dulce is a downer. <laughs> yeah, Dulce. I mean, what is the common denominator here? It's bloody Dulce. Oh, it's so she. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a few other stories. She goes to Melbourne. She another one. Her boyfriend, her boyfriend's is shot over there. They report him as being a victim of the Angel of Death, even though she has nothing to do Ooh. with the murder. Holy shit. Yes. And then um, she has, after a short stint in Perth, she moves back to Melbourne and she moves to, I can't believe this, and I just walked past this house the other day, she moves to Faulkner yeah. Street, just around the corner from me, where I live here in Melbourne. Right. Yeah. 51 Faulkner Street. And Really? Yes. I love that kind of thing. Same. You know, Same. You can walk past it? You can walk past it. Yeah, yeah, it's there. The house is still there. And Faulkner Street at the time was one of the roughest streets in St Kilda and it was known for, you know, bullets coming through the, the walls and windows and, and a lot of gang and, you know, gang violence and brothels all up and down that street. And I every time I walk down that street, because I walk down that street quite often to take Pete to the beach, I just look at all the houses and I think like, oh, well, who lived there? And now I know yeah. that Dulcie lived in 51. Wow. Wow. So, so while What's she's the house Melbourne, like now? It's still like a little cottage. Yeah, it's just a white, white little cottage. Has it cottage. been refurbed? I don't know. In, I don't know. I haven't been inside. But, no, it still looks the still same. Old cottage. outside. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Just like those classic okay. terrace houses, you know, the – Victorian terraces, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So while she's there in that house, she actually, she's living in the house with her then boyfriend and his brother. They're both boxers, but they're also known to be mixed up in some pretty dodgy stuff. And one evening they return home after they've been out in St. I mean, even thinking about that, they've been out in St. Kilda Mm. and they've been at the pub Mm. and then they go back for drinks back Mm. at um, Dulcie's house. And um, they're apparently, you know, it's a cocaine fueled party and they're all sitting around just you know having the best time of their lives when two just men been to a, the espy just been to band. the espy um <laughs> totally they just jet back in the day jet. before they were made screaming jet watching umi as the support <laughs> <laughs> they do they get some maccas and then they um <laughs> get a kebab on the way home get a kebab on the way home and then they they, they pop home, they have drinks, you know, back at theirs. And then, yeah, two men from a rival gang arrive and bust their way in. They shoot one of the brothers in the hand and then they fatally shoot the other brother who's lying on the bed with Dulcie in the front room. And Dulcie's caught in the crossfire and she's shot in the hip. Oh. Now, she survives the shooting. And she gets taken to hospital. She has to have a hip reconstruction um, and she's later will um, have a limp for the rest of her ni- life. And she's then known as Limping Dulcie. So um, <laughs> I don't know so what worse. I know, right? I think Angel Limping Dulcie is better than Angel limping. of Death. Yeah, I think so too. So she has to go and testify at court and she <laughs> there's, there's a photo of her. She's wheeled in on her stretcher 
So she's basically wheeled out of the hospital on her hospital bed and wheeled into court on her stretcher so she can give her testimony and um, she refuses to speak. She says she doesn't know who the guys are. She doesn't know anything about it. She's just like one minute I was lying on the bed with, you know, my boyfriend. The next minute there was gunfire. So and there's speculation around she probably knew a little bit more than she was letting on, but you just did not snitch at the time. So, you know, even that, the fact that she's been blamed for like snitches get, sti- snitches get stitches, I said. They do. They do. So, yeah, but she's never snitched in her life. But then again, she still gets blamed for all of these men, which is just, I love it that a woman is blamed for that, you know. Let's not look at the men and the fact that they're, you know, underworld crime figures. and Yeah. All going to meet yeah. their fate somehow. Let's blame yeah. it on the, the, the woman at the centre of it. So she moves back to Sydney and she moves to Bondi. And she she comes stinky to Bondi. Bondi. Yeah, stinky Bondi, exactly, at the time. It, oh, it stunk back then. Yeah. yeah. It still stinks now if the, if the wind is. Oh, no, apparently it was, it was, yeah, really bad, like yes. all the time. So now yeah. it's when the wind is bad. Yeah, well, poo Nothing like a five million dollar property that smells like shit every well, now and then. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, Poo Hill, where the where the the sewage plant is, all of those houses up there, like on Dover Heights, and all of those beautiful houses. I mean, if you get it, if the wind on on a you know the wind is wrong on a day, holy, you can't go outside. Yeah, yeah so, I know, but you know what? The good thing about oh, it yeah. is that it costs you five million dollars to live there. So. I know. Isn't that cute? I know. It's really cute. So she's living in Bondi and it's not long before her uh, reputation catches up with her. Police are called to her flat and they find her at the bottom of her balcony. She's got broken ribs. She's got punctured lungs. She's, She's suffered severe injuries and she tells the police that she just fell down the stairs but witnesses say that she was thrown from her balcony so apparently what this what the witnesses say and what people what the police at the time say is that she she later had been some of the rival gangs had caught up with her so whoever she was hanging around whatever she she just could never do any any right she was just always for some reason at the center of you know what people thought were all of these murders and so yeah she these these gang guys come and grab her and throw her from the second floor balcony which she oh, survived shit. Oh, you wouldn't want to. No. So you'd be down there broke and going, I've already got a bad hip. Totally. God, she's bloody limping Dulcie for sure now. But she stays in Bondi. She recovers from her injuries and she becomes quite withdrawn and she removes herself from any having anything to do with prostitution or the, cri- the crime or under uh, underworld, underbelly, underworld. And she gets underworld. married one more time. Look, I'm just going to say it. Probably a good yeah. decision. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But she does get married one more time. But he's okay. Oh, no. No, no, he's okay. So he doesn't have a background in crime. He's completely clean. He's, you know, living a good, wholesome life. She just wants to live um, in her. (laughs) She's going to be bored by him. 
she's in her 50s now. She wants to become an ideal housewife, mm-hmm. concentrate on the home and just, which she did for quite a few years. And they lived a really lovely, you know, peaceful little life in Bondi until 1976. She pops off to bed. She gets the tells her hubby she's going to bed. She's going to turn in early. She's like, can you feed the dog? I'm going to bed. Pops into bed, has a ciggy in bed, falls asleep. The room goes up in flames and she dies in her bed at the age of 62. From a ciggy. That's why you don't sleep smoke in bed. Totally. She, I mean, can you? She's she's been reported as as having seen the most crime and horrible, violent acts in her life, like the, as being kind of the, the the woman in Australia who's seen the most out of everyone in Australia. But she dies by falling asleep with a cigarette in her bed. And you would never have read about it. I, mean, I you know. Would have, but you know what I mean. Her funeral is um, attended by well-known detectives. One even gives um, a eulogy because they always had um, this, even though, you know, she was mixed up in prostitution and she did kind of hang around with Tilly Devine and those people, there was a level of respect for her. And she also, there was, you know, talks about her working with the police on a lot of things as well, which is, you know, maybe where the Bondi accident comes from. Only, yeah, she was 62 at the time. She outlives Kate uh, Lee and Tilly Devine and, yeah, she... Mm. Her legacy, though, will, will she'll go down as the the angel of death, and that for some reason those you know men who met their fate, she was the she was the reason behind it. So that's the story of Dulcie wow. Dulcie Markham, and you know I just I wanted to tell that story because it just shows a really different perspective of women at the time in Australia in the nineteen twenties. It was a very I mean Sydney, the streets of Sydney, St Kilda, you know every kind of town had its you know bad kind of area and it was bad like it was Mm, I mean we're talking really violent crimes you know back then so yeah she lived a really tough hard life um she was strong resilient got mixed up you know with the wrong crowd some would say yeah and that's the story of Dulcie Markham Dulcie well that's a good one I have heard of Dulcie Markham but um, didn't know all of those little details about her, but I, I remember her because I liked the name Dulcie. I always liked yeah. the name Dulcie. Yep. I don't know why, but um, when I was singing professionally, mm-hmm. um, do you remember I used to sing at that bar, the Art Lounge in the yes Joe in Darlinghurst? Yes. yes, that was when. It was a really good time for me to be singing the particular genre that I really enjoyed singing, which was swing and jazz, because mm-hmm. Underbelly had just done their season on Razor Gangs. Ah, oh, yes, yes. And what's his name? Baz Luhrmann was making The Great Gatsby. Perfect. So it was a really good time to kind of bring that music, mm. you know, into and, and into that part of the city, which is where, mm-hmm. you know, they were – setting up bars called the Tilly Divine Bar and, yes, you know, near her house. I remember that. So um, it is. East East Sydney. Yeah. It's good to, it would be good to go back and watch those underbellies again. 
It would, and then I I do think there's a um, there's a nod to Dulcie Markham and her character in. Yeah, I remember because I there's a really beautiful Australian actress I think that plays her. Right. Um, like because yeah. she was so beautiful. Is something a bit different today. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, she was. I like that a lot. She was. Uh, so that's it. That that's really great. Markham, something different. And, yeah, I just I think it's fascinating learning about the that time, you know, especially knowing that around the corner from me I can mm. just walk down Faulkner Street and I try to pick the houses that mm. I thought think were brothels at the time as well. You're like, oh, that's got a light out the front. Mm. Maybe that's maybe that's the brothel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But remember doctor's. GPs used to have the red light as well. Yeah, I know, I know. But that's let me. So it'd be like we could, no, we could play a game. (gasps) Good or bad house, (laughs) doctor surgery or or (laughs) healing STDs or giving them. (laughs) Perfect. It's a whole new game. It's like my new favorite um, Instagram profile: siblings or dating. Oh. Oh, I'll get into it. It's hilarious. It's it's always two photos, same photo, slight swipe right. Yeah, but you have to guess first. Do you think this these two are dating or they're siblings? Because it's fun. Date look the same, which is weird. Yeah, they really do. You you find you find what you like about yourself in someone else. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they say that, don't they? Which would go for personality. So I guess physicality it would as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I've known a, f- a few I mean, I who could pass it. I don't want to go out with Yeah. Yeah. So I think that we'll leave that ep- at that. Okay. Sure. Because yeah, it was a long hour. Yeah. We'll yeah, make our and- own, like, we'll make it own ep. Um, yeah. Okay. Because I'm hungry. Okay. Look at you, you've got to the end. So if you're still listening, we're just going to give you a few little credity bits. Executive producers of this podcast is me, Evie Jones, and of course, Annie Potatoes. But we've also got Sam Peterson. He's our producer, our editor, our wine boy, our whipping boy. He does everything. And he's also got a great podcast called Confessions of the Idiots. You know, if you all listen to us, we appreciate you. Follow us on Instagram at chickstreet underscore podcast. And you can email us at mychickstreet at gmail.com.